Good morning, church. How's the 9 a.m. service feeling? <laughs> this is so fun. That shout out from Emma, I was like, in just tears welling in my eyes. It's so nice. <laughs> well, like Pastor Ben and Emma said, my name's Hannah, and I lead our kids department here at the city campus, and it's just an honor to be able to come and speak this morning. And before I get started and dive right in, I want to give honor where honor is due. And so the first people I would love to honor is Pastor Rob and Pastor Becca. They are amazing leaders and pastors, and they believe in young communicators and in women communicating, and it's really an honor to be on their team. I tell people all the time, I'm like, I feel like I'm working my dream job. It's so sweet. Um, and then secondly, I want to honor Pastor Ben and Emma. Come on. Come on. Put your hands together. They're amazing. <laughs> you guys... I, for real, could not ask for better campus pastors and friends and leaders. And the way you guys have supported me and championed me has been so special. And so know that I love you guys so much and I'm really excited to be on your team. And so I'm excited because today we're talking about a story in the Bible called The Good Samaritan. And before I jump in, I'm going to tell you a little bit about me. Like I said, I lead our kids department and I've been at the city campus for about a year and a half now. And so been here leading kids and previously I was at our Shakopee campus. And so that's where I got saved, gave my life to Jesus in 2015 and have been on a journey of discovering who God is, where he wants me to be, where he wants me to work. And as I've just listened to the Lord and walked through doors that he's opened for me, he led me here to the city campus. And I've met some of my best friends and it's been really, really special. And so that's a little bit about me. And now it's typically the time in the message where people are like, let me show you a picture of my family. So I thought, I should show you a picture of my family. So if you look at the screen, we'll have a picture come up. These, these, this <laughs> is a little bit about my family. Let me give you the rundown. No, we're not actually, actually related, but we're roommates. <laughs> and here on the right is my roommate, Rachel. She just had her 28th birthday. And so we celebrated with her. We went up to Grand Marais. It was super awesome. And in the middle, you probably recognize this person, Katie Schneider. <laughs> Katie just got engaged, which is amazing, which is so exciting. But we're losing a roommate, so it's kind of sad. But it's okay. And a little bit about us is that we live in a place where we call the Queen Field. Maybe you've never heard of it. It's not an actual place, but we live on Kingfield Street near Martin Luther King Park. And so we were like, we should just call this place the Queen Field, change the king to queen. And so we call ourselves the Queens. <laughs> a little interesting. Now you, now you know a little bit about me, about the family. That's a little bit about us. I thought I'd just break the ice a little bit. <laughs> so that's a little bit about us. And I am excited to preach today on the Good Samaritan. And so I'm going to go ahead and pray. If you guys want to bow your heads and close your eyes. Jesus, we just thank you for being here today, God. Your presence is in this room. God, I believe that you are going to speak to 
individual different hearts in the room, God, on whatever they need to hear, God. And so I just pray that today you would encourage us, you would challenge us, and you would call us up, Jesus. We're ready and open to hear from you. So we invite your Holy Spirit in. I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would speak through me, that it wouldn't be my words, but it would be you speaking, Lord. And so we give this to you, we lay it down at your feet, and we just are excited for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Amen. Now, I like to start out with a little story. Anybody like stories? Here's the deal. I have some great stories, but I'm not always the best storyteller, so I have to practice telling stories. And so a little bit about me is that I have a tendency to lose things, like a lot. You're thinking like, oh, maybe her keys, her cell phone. No, 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 no. None of those like little things. It's typically the big things that wouldn't make sense to lose. And I have lost my car a lot of times. Anybody relate? Cool. Okay. Nobody. (laughs) It's just me. (laughs) I lose my car like probably once a month. I just don't know where I leave it. And it's so embarrassing. It's mortifying, but it's actually true. And I moved to Minneapolis like two years ago. And when I moved down here, I moved on to the U of M campus and I was living in Dinkytown. And if you live down in the city, you know, parking is I don't even have a word for it. It's crazy. You never know if you're parking on the right side of the street or the wrong side. And it's like when snow emergencies hit, you can either park on the even side or the odd side. What does that even mean? I mean, I don't know. And so moved to the city and I was, at the time I was working at Jimmy John's. Any Jimmy John's fans? Worked there for about five years. And I was wrapping up my shift. And so I drive all the way back to Minneapolis. It's about a 30 minute drive. And I make my way back and our house was like on the corner house. And so I was an RVLI intern at the time and I had just moved in and corner house. And I was like, great, I'm gonna park in a spot where I know I'm gonna be able to find my car. And I was like, I can't park on the nine to five because it's before five o'clock. And so I'm just gonna turn the corner and like park behind the house, right? Parked it, felt super confident, we were good. The next morning I go out and I was going to pick up my friend from the airport and I like walk out and I'm like, oh, my car is gone. And like, I was, I was super nervous to move to Minneapolis because I was like, I know people get their car towed, people get tickets and I'm not about that because I know that that's like hundreds of dollars that I don't have. And so I was like, whatever I do, I'm going to avoid that situation. And then I came to the moment and my car was gone and I was like, this is the worst case scenario. This is the worst thing that could have ever possibly happened to me two weeks after I moved to the city. So I'm like out there looking around. I like walk back to the house. I'm like, okay, okay, just retrace your steps. So I go, I'm walking, still gone, no car. And so now the panic is setting in and I'm like hyperventilating, like my car is gone. And it was like winter time. So it's cold. I had my backpack, my purse, all my gear was ready to go. Like, Nothing, not a single thing. So I go back to the house, talk to my roommates, and I was like, my car's like gone. Like it's literally gone. I know I parked it here, can't find it anywhere. And they're like, you're crazy. You probably are just tired. No, I can't find my car. And so my roommates come out with me. I see a guy on the street. I'm like, do you know if you can park here? Guy has no idea. He's like, dude, you gotta figure it out. I was like, all right. And so my roommates come out and eventually, we're like, your car's gone, it probably got towed. And I was like, Lord knows I'm not about to tell my parents my car got towed, because that's never happened. And so we go back to the house and I'm freaking out. 
I call the cops because I'm like, they've got help in some way in this situation. And so I call the cops. They're like, we don't know what to do for you. We can connect you with the tow line. And so I was like, the tow line? Okay. And so I'm on the phone with the tow people. And they're like, yeah, tell us your license plate. And I'm like, saying the numbers. And I never remembered the last letter. It was either V or J. I don't know. And so I like list off both. And they're like, we have neither. Like, your car's not here. And I was like, okay, it's not towed. I, I can't find it. And they're like, it's probably stolen. And I was like, what does that mean, stolen? How do you steal a car? And so this is when it was bad, bad. And so the cops end up showing up. My roommates are all helping me out. And the cop is like, you're sure you parked it, like, on the street? And I was like, I mean, I didn't park it in the driveway, so I don't know where it would be. And the cop goes out, and he starts to look on the roads. And me and my roommate, Rebecca, we were going out looking. And the cop ends up calling me, and he's like, any luck? No. He's like, yeah, you're probably in rough shape. And I was like, worst possible scenario that could ever happen to me living in Minneapolis. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm driving with my friend Rebecca, and we turn on the opposite street. Let, let alone there's my car, exactly where I parked it. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, nobody look at me. This is embarrassing. This is mortifying. And not only did I lose it there, I lose it in parking ramps. If I don't park on the first floor, it's just a huge problem. It's something I struggle with. But I tell you that story because in that moment, I had my roommates come out, random people from the neighborhood, I called the tow people, all these people that surrounded to help me find my missing car. And honestly, if I was doing it by myself, we would have been in a lot of trouble and I probably still would not have it to this day. But that is, was such a cool example to me of people that come around and that act like neighbors to me. And in our story today, we're talking about the Good Samaritan and Jesus dives into what it means to be a good neighbor. And we see an example with a priest and a Levite and a Samaritan. And we're going to go ahead and read that passage all together. We can get it on the screen. I'm going to take a sip of water because I'm feeling a little parched. Anybody have coffee? Want to sip with me? I love that. That was great. Needed. Okay, so we're going to dive right in. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 10, verse 25. We'll read it together. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your minds and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. 
Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him, Jesus told him, go and do likewise. If you're taking notes today, you can title this message, just classic, The Good Samaritan. <laughs> mm, sweet. So I love this story, and I've read it a few times. And times back when I've read it, I've been like, oh, cool, but I've never fully understood the context behind what Jesus is talking about. And that's something I want to dive into a little bit today is specific people in this story, kind of understanding why were they asking the questions they were asking, what was their intention, what was their motive. And the first person I want to highlight is the expert in the law. Now we read about him where he went to test Jesus. Now if you think about it, his name or his title is expert in the law, right? So meaning he should know what the law says. So why does he need to ask Jesus? What does the law say? How do you inherit eternal life? Who's my neighbor? He knows that. But in some way, I think that he was asking Jesus because he wanted to justify himself and say, look at me, look at me. I know what I'm talking about. And like puff himself up, get a good ego. Obviously, we see pride coming to the surface in his situation. And at the end, when Jesus questions him again and says, who do you think the neighbor was or the good, or the good person was in this story? And he says, the one who had mercy on him. He couldn't even say Samaritan, which is wild to me. And so as I was reading about it, I was like, why would he say the one who had mercy on him? And then as I did some research and looked up Jews and Samaritans, we see Jews and Samaritans, they didn't get along. They hated each other. They like would not associate, thought the worst of each other. For them to be in relationship or in contact with one another was not common. It wasn't something that they would do. And so it was evident that the expert in the law, he had some kind of racial issue against the Samaritans that Jesus was calling out and he was highlighting and bringing to the surface. And so then, like we talk about Jews and Samaritans, they didn't associate with one another. In that time, people were often known and recognized by what they were wearing. So what you were wearing was like, oh, that's who you are. So I recognize you're a Jew because you're wearing that. Or you're a Samaritan because you're wearing that. Or you look this way. But in the story, the man who was beaten and robbed, he was stripped of his clothing. So couldn't recognize him that way. And he was beat up, so you couldn't recognize him that way. Super interesting because the priest and the Levite were Jews. And the man who was on the side of the road that was beaten up was a Jew from what we can take from the context. And the man who helped him was a Samaritan. And so it's interesting to me as we see the priest walks by the man who was laying on the side of the road. He's probably like, I can't, I can't touch him. I can't associate with him. For all I know, he could be a Samaritan. For all I know, I have somewhere to be. If I stop and I help this guy, I'm going to be inconvenienced. I'm going to be late to where I have to be. So he goes on his way. And you can... You could justify that a little bit. He had somewhere to be. He's a priest. Hears from God. He's got to go. But then the Levite, who is an assistant to the priest, he did the same thing. He just passed on by. It's probably like, yo, if the priest didn't stop, like, I, I listen to the priest. I'm in charge to whatever he wants me to do. And so I have to go and follow. Can't be late. If I touch this guy, I'm going to be unclean. Can't do that. So he continues to walk on by and not even associate with this man. And then we see the Samaritan who comes. And the Samaritan sees, oh my gosh, this man is beaten on the side of the road. 
He obviously needs help. And so his first response is to go and to care and to show compassion. But he was a Samaritan. He didn't know this man could have been a Jew. He could have been a Samaritan, wasn't known. So in reality, he had no idea who he was helping. But that didn't matter to him. And so I think that's so interesting as I read that. His response wasn't different based off of who the person was. So he went and cared for him. He bandaged his wounds. And then he goes as far as to pay for his dues at an inn where he's being taken care of. And so it's clear that we see the Samaritan had no bias towards who am I helping? Does it matter? It didn't. Which is super interesting to me. And so as we look like that, or as we read about that, I'm like, man, how often do I not or I pass by or maybe opt out of a conversation or not associate with someone because they don't look like me or they don't work where I work or they don't dress how I dress or talk how I talk or maybe they look different than me or they don't live in a similar area than me. Like, do I opt out of those conversations? And in this story, I see, I see the expert in the law were revealed what is at root in his heart. There's a racial issue at his heart. He thinks he knows, he's prideful, he's biased. And so I think as we read the story, we can allow the Lord room to say, okay, we see the expert in the law. God reveals his heart, shines a light on him. What in turn can God do with us? Is there an area in our heart where maybe we relate to the expert in the law? Or maybe we relate to the priest and the Levite who walked by and said, I'm going to opt out of this conversation. I'm going to opt out of this situation because it's not comfortable to me. It's inconvenient. I don't, I don't really associate with these type of people. So instead, I'm not going to do that. I mean, I'm sure I've had those thoughts. You know, I'm sure we've all been guilty of that at times. But through this message, I think that the Lord can shine a light in us and say, God, okay, would you show me an area in my heart and in my life where I'm off? Or maybe I'm prejudiced to some kind of person that doesn't look like me. I think that we can do that. And as we pray that, be expectant for what God's going to reveal to you. Because maybe we are treating people some type of way. Because if I think about this story and I put myself in the shoes of the man on the side of the road and say somehow I'm kind of conscious and I know I'm a Jew, and I watch as the priest who hears from God walk by. Say that's a pastor. Switch out priest for pastor. Say you watch a pastor walk by and you're like, oh, just, just the person I would think would help me just passed me by. Cool, cool. And then you're sitting there and you're like, okay, maybe the next person that comes will. And you see the Levite walk by and you're like, life group leader, small group leader. I just watched them walk by. And then you see someone who doesn't even know Jesus. And they're in the Samaritan shoes, and they're like, oh my gosh, I have to help. I'm going to help them, yet the people I thought were going to help me didn't. And so I think if we put ourselves in the story, it's a little bit more convicting. You feel a little bit more of a kind of shift in your spirit of, yikes, who do I relate with in this story? And so as I was thinking about this, I was like, man, what are practical ways then that we cannot be like the priest or be like the, the expert in the law. And I was like, man, some things that I try to do practically say, I live in South Minneapolis and there's a lot of homeless people that live on our street. We have Martin Luther King Park. A lot of people have been taking over that space. And something I try to do is have a pack of water bottles in my car. Because I've made the excuse at times, man, I don't have the resources. I don't have the finances. I don't have all these things I can do to like help these people. 
I can buy water, $3 pack of of water at Target. I can buy a couple granola bars. Like, I can afford that. And so then maybe every time I drive by, oh, here's a glass of water. Oh, here's this. I mean, we all need water, am I right? We do. And so how easy is it for us to have practical ways that we can help and serve people? And so I think, too, oftentimes when we see people in need, say it doesn't have to be to the extent of we see someone laying on the side of the road. I mean... I haven't seen that recently. Maybe you haven't seen that recently. Maybe you have. But who do you see in your path that maybe you've treated a little bit off because of some reason? Maybe is it someone who said hurtful things to you or said things behind your back where you're like, ugh, I don't really like them. I have some beef with them. Maybe. Maybe it's the homeless person on the side of the street that's making your life inconvenient because they're in your space. Maybe... Maybe everybody knows who it is. Who's, is there somebody in your life that maybe you're trying to avoid or stay, oh, I'm good keeping an arm's distance from, when maybe that's exactly who God is saying, I need you to care for this person. I need you to show this person my love, my compassion, my joy, because you're the person I'm trying to use. So are you going to say yes to me or are you going to submit to how you feel? I submit to how I feel sometimes. I'll admit it, I do. Within this last week, Katie knows we've had a homeless man and his, his partner on the side of our street. He's set up his tent, has his little area right by our house. And I've told Katie, I'm like, oh, sometimes it just makes me feel uncomfortable. Just like up in my space. I just was uncomfortable with it. And as I was writing this message, I felt the Lord be like, how can you stand up there and preach a message about loving people well and not making assumptions based off of people like, oh, If only he had a job, if only he went to college, if only he didn't say that or do that, when maybe God's like, no, you're the one that's going to be changed if you would just go to that person and talk to them and listen and act. And I was like, yikes, okay, what do you want me to do, Lord? And so I get home yesterday, I'm like driving up to my place at like 2.30 in the afternoon, not in the morning, and (laughs) that would be sketchy. And so I'm like driving up, I'm sitting there and I see this like van pull up next to them and they like opened their trunk and gave them a few items. And I was like, that's so nice. Snap. And the Lord was like, what can you do? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, I could meet them, you know, because I think oftentimes when we talk to the person that we maybe have beef with or we interact with the people that we don't know, but we're making assumptions about them, God begins to change our heart. So... I was like, all right, Lord, I'm going to go meet this person. And I was like, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? And so I go back in the house. I'm like, yo, Katie, we need to meet our neighbors. She's like, okay. So I was like, all right, uh, let's get a bag full of water and stuff. She's like, okay. I'm like, all right. So we make our way. We go down the stairs and we go out to meet this man. His name is Michael and his, the girl he was with, Desiree. And we're like, hey, we just want to meet you. I mean, we're technically neighbors, basically. And so we just wanted to welcome you to the neighborhood. And this is who I am. This is who you are, introducing ourselves. And he begins to just tell us his life story. And Katie and I were like, whoa. And it was such a cool moment where God was just like, how can you make assumptions about someone you don't even know? You don't even know where they came from. They don't look like you. They don't talk like you. They don't dress like you. Yet why are you assuming that there's some, they're so much worse or something? Or they're, they're not as good. Or they think this way. And I was like, 
feeling so convicted of like, man, I'm so sorry, Lord, that I made these assumptions. And so I failed in this area of being a good Samaritan. But as I pray and allow God to come and speak, he begins to reveal to me things like, you should probably have a conversation or you should maybe change your perspective because I see that person exactly how I see you. So it makes you any better. And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) And so it was a great moment where we got to meet Michael and Desiree and it began to change my perspective. And so I wonder for us, as we're hearing this message and we're like, okay, I want to be a good Samaritan. I want to love my neighbor well. When really my neighbor goes beyond my neighborhood it's not just the people in proximity to you, because it's really easy to me to me. It's really easy for me to be a good neighbor to my people who are in my corner, who support me, who I'm friends with. But it's not always the easiest to be a good neighbor to somebody who doesn't support me, who's on the opposite side, who's kind of like a little different than me. And so I'm saying, God, would you come in and shift this area of my heart so that I can truly see people how you see them? And this week, as we pray that, I do believe and I know that God will provide opportunities for you to go out and love your neighbor. If you ask him to, and if you allow him to, he's a gentleman, he wants to use you. And so practically, what can we do? Maybe you can have five bucks in your glove box. I mean, I don't know, maybe someone's gonna need it. Maybe you could have a pack of water in your car. Maybe you could give your time, be like, yo, who are you? I'm this person. It's great to meet you. Introduce yourself. Give your time. But if we don't put ourselves in proximity with it, we're going to always have a biased view. I'm just saying. (laughs) And so my encouragement to you is to do that this week and to say, Lord, maybe even right now, shift my heart. Sift out the things that are not of you. Maybe ways where I've perceived someone a certain way or thought a certain type of thing where that's not how you see them. And I don't want to be filled with myself. I want to be filled with you, Jesus, so that I can go out and pour that onto others. And so would you bow your heads with me so we can pray? Lord, we just thank you so much that you are a good father, Lord, and you see all of your children the same. You love us all the same, Jesus. And I just pray that this week, God, you would continue to shift our hearts, God, maybe in areas where we have been prejudiced or seeing someone a way that you don't see them. God, I pray that that person exactly you would allow us to have an encounter with this week where we can show them the love of Jesus, where we can show them your compassion and your joy and your heart, God. And so I just pray that we would be expectant and ready for you to move, God. May we be prepared for what you're gonna do. Lord, begin to download now to people who you want them to go out and speak to, Jesus. We believe that you're gonna do it because you are good and you are faithful and you want to use your children, God. So I just pray that you would do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love that story. The more I read it, the more I'm blown away at what God is trying to speak to me through it. And I love the story of the Good Samaritan because we see... We see the Samaritan going out and showing mercy and compassion to a man on the side of the road. And as I read about that, I'm like, man, the Samaritan's such a good guy. He's so good. And then I'm reminded, who's Jesus? Jesus is so good. He loves us so much. And as Pastor Logan talked about in communion today, we talked about how he gave his life for you and for I. And maybe you're in the room and you don't have a relationship with Jesus or maybe you've walked away 
And I want to tell you that he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to come back to him. That he loves you so much. He's such a good father. He has a plan and a purpose for you. Maybe you can't see it because sometimes you can't see it. Sometimes all you can see is that first step in front of you. You can't see 10 steps down the road. Well, what's going to happen if I say yes? Is he going to do this or is he going to do that? It doesn't matter what he's going to do. He's going to take care of it. He's going to take care of you. The first step is for you to say yes to him. And so today, I believe that there are people in the room where God is tugging your heart and saying, come back to me. Come back to me. I'm good. In the story of the Good Samaritan, I'm the Samaritan. That's me. Come back. I'll show you mercy wherever you've been. Whatever you did last week, whatever you did last night, it doesn't matter. I love you. I want to be in relationship with you. I want to know you, every part of you. I think we crave that as humans for somebody to know us, every part of us. Jesus is that person for you. Are you open to it? Are you open to trying it out, taking that step? He's for you and he's not going to fail you. It's not in his character. You can't even say, well, what if he doesn't do? Not in his character. That's not who he is. He's good. He's faithful. He's kind. He's gentle. He loves you. He's not going to fail you. He's not going to just drop you in the sand. Nope, not who he is. Not even a thought. And so today, maybe that's you. Maybe you're in the room. You feel your heart shifting, turning a little bit. This moment's for you. Don't pass it by. So I want to invite us all to go ahead and bow our heads.